coming up. Season one recap. Me and Joe really excited to dive into that. And also, how do we argue as Christians? What are we trying to accomplish? That's next. This is Hope After Hurt, a Yes podcast. We talk about church hurt, stories of disappointment, and the future of community. With the goal of healing from past pains, inspiring hope for the future, and building a better leader for generations to come. Join this community created for healing, hope, and heroes. Now your host, a pastor's kid who has served everywhere from startups to some of the largest churches in the world, Drew Barker. Let's go. It's the Yes Podcast where we're saying yes to what God has next. Really excited about today's episode. We're going to dive into season one. So season one here of Hope After Hurts coming to an end. And uh, it's been awesome. We've had a lot of really great episodes. Any of before that, like, you get too sad, sure. we're coming back for season we're two. We're absolutely coming back yeah. for season two. We're not ending this. Thanks for throwing that in there. I wouldn't want anybody to be like, <laughs> ah, delete, unsubscribe. <laughs> pause. I'm pause. Done. I'm done. Yeah, no, we are coming back in a few weeks. We'll start up season two. And like, when you look back at this season, Joe, are there any episodes where you're like, man, that one really stuck out to me. That's got to be my favorite. Like really enjoyed that one. Yeah, it was for me. It was this the couple of episodes that we did on the Hillsong documentary. It was one very philosophically challenging for me to really dive into some of that. What do I really think as a guy who has spent a lot of his life working at a church sure. and surrounding themselves with things of that nature? We were actually just talking before the show, and I mentioned I don't even know where I'm at with how I feel about mega churches as a whole, <laughs> but I think. Like one of the things that I feel like we didn't really, we didn't get into a lot in those episodes is like, this isn't a mega church problem. Right. It's just that power and influence seem to magnify sure. the parts of our personality that, here's another way to say it. I might not have been tempted in some of the ways that, that those people were tempted, but maybe it was just because I didn't have the opportunities right. that those people had. Sure. I think that's fair. And so I don't want to test that. Right. <laughs> I really don't want to test that in any way, shape, or form. Right, I get that. But yeah, I think it's not just a big church problem. Like we have small churches where people have moral failings. and Absolutely. I was really encouraged by the conversation that we had with the person who didn't have the church background. Yeah. And the discussion that yeah. you guys had about, hey, what could a church do different? Like what would be attractive to you as a person that doesn't attend church or doesn't really believe in any of the stuff that that we're talking about. Here. Yeah, that was a lot of fun and really getting to hear a side that's not looking at it from like church hurt and I'm part of the church, but like church hurt and I'm just like watching from a distance. And and I think that shed a lot of light on just perspective and perception and how the just really how society sees the church. Yeah, And for there not to be a lot of surprise over the Hillsong documentary, for it right. to just get, be like, yeah, I thought that was always happening. I just never really knew the, the right. details. It's, oh man, really? <laughs> and then, like you said, sitting down with multiple pastors from across the country, all in different ministries, all in different phases of life. And everyone looking at this going, wow, this is despicable, but at the same time, oh my gosh, how can we learn from this? Because like you said, we don't, we don't want to run into that. Yeah. We don't want to have the, 
I had a conversation not too long ago with somebody that I used to work with and he called up and he is actually going back to school and getting ready to start like what his thesis is. And he was like, I want to work with pastors. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were just talking about some of this stuff and these topics. And he was like, you got any suggestions? And I said, this is a very complex issue, but man, I really feel like the answer could be in like an independent third party that sits down with pastors before this happens so that we're not solving these problems when we're in the pain of the trauma. That's good. I did a podcast not too long ago. I produce a bunch of different podcasts, so I get to hear all these really cool stories. And uh, we were on a podcast not too long ago, though, with a woman who was a certified B Corporation. Have you heard of this? I haven't, no. So a certified B Corporation is basically like a, a legal process that you take a company through. If you're like a do-gooder company, if you're Tom Shoes and you want to give one pair away every time and you want to treat your employees well. And basically, it's this very rigorous process. They make you change your bylaws so that your company cannot be altered when sold. You have to put your employees first over your stakeholders and write that into the way your company is so that it, it basically can't be changed. You have to turn over your books, and it's a whole thing. Wow. And I thought, man, there's something there maybe for like an independent third party for church plants before yeah. To have somebody sit through almost like a prenup and be like, okay, if you were to have an affair, I know right now that's the furthest thing from your mind. But if that were to happen. Let's talk what would happen. What's the steps we take? Yeah. What, everyone's what taking steps? logical. Everyone's slow. Everyone's and slow. No one's reactive. Because it didn't happen yet. Right. And with that, there could be like, uh, you should be seeing a counselor regularly. I bet you might not need one right now, but you will. Yeah. And have somebody with some experience walk through and be like, hey, here's some of the traps that people run into. Things like embezzlement, things like yeah. that. But address them way before the opportunities are coming up. Yeah, I, I think you've got to be proactive in, in all of that. But the more we talked about it, the more I realized it's more questions than answers, and that's a super complex thing. So. <laughs> yeah, there seems to be a lot of layers to that <laughs> right out of the gate. But you're not wrong. This is why it's always, I think it's always healthy for churches to have a third party doing their finances no matter how big or small, you, you just don't mess with that kind of stuff, man. And, and so I think there's, we talked a lot about it, financial accountability too. Yeah. In that episode. And, and I, I saw an update recently from a church <laughs> and that update basically had just two ideas. Like one, this is how much we said we'd give and two, this is where we're at. And yeah. I was like, I don't really know what that means. That's a problem. <laughs> I think I've said this before, but like every time we, give money to something, we always know what our money's going to. Yeah. Haven't I said this before on the podcast? Yeah. Basically you yeah. get a receipt. You get a receipt. If I buy tacos, I get a receipt for my tacos. If I buy a stock, I pull up my app and I see where my money is at the stock and I see if it's up or it's down and I can track it to the minute. And then with churches, we're like trust leadership. It's so scary. So we've got to do a better job of just being transparent. I get it. It's money. I get it. Like, why should we let people know how much people make and all that? I'm not saying that you have to say, this is how much the pastor makes. This is how much this person makes. But could you at least put, this is how much our staff right. makes. And if, look, if you're, if you're, yeah, you know, you're not making a case or be like, I want to get a printout. I gave you a hundred dollars paid for electricity. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not way on that extreme, but I'm also not on the extreme of, Hey, trust leadership. We know what we're doing. It's actually from what I've seen, not a lot of you do because guess what? They don't teach you. In seminary, financing classes. Guess what they don't teach in seminary? How to do books. I think they, there's a lot know. of pastors that have the approach of, I don't know much about the money stuff. I'm not involved. 
<laughs> yeah. And then you've got missions that don't align with the vision of the church and what you're even trying to accomplish. But that's a whole nother thing. I really did enjoy talking through the Hillsong documentary. I think it brought a lot of things to light. I know for me personally, just hearing everyone else and, and their perspective on it was helpful. This is what my congregation might be feeling. It just gave me a perspective of like, all right, now from an empathy level, I know what to empathize with. So that was really helpful. For me, it might go without saying, the first episode for me was really special. Not just because it was the first episode of the podcast, but because I shared something that I had only shared with a few people prior to that episode. Tried to get really vulnerable. I think I probably accomplished that. <laughs> and, and it was very freeing and liberating really for me to put that story out there. It's something that I've held on to for decades of my life and to get such a great response from people that either shared in that experience or were just encouraging that I'd come out on the other side of that experience. That was really helpful. I do also really the points we made, and I thought it would be good to, to maybe start there at episode one and just recap some of the points as we go through. So one of the things we talked about in episode one is that vulnerability and authenticity cannot be forced that there must be an environment created for those actions and that environment is trust. And, and I think that's, that's just so important. We can't sit down in conversations and just assume that because we are on the same staff or because we're friends or because of anything, we just can't assume that the other person is just going to be willing to share anything. Yeah. And so our job as the leader is to try and create that environment. And the environment that needs is definitely trust. And so that might mean that you have to be vulnerable first. Right. And, and that might mean that it, it's going to take time for people. Sometimes people are oversharers and, and day one, they're like, hey, this is everything that's going on in my life. Other times it takes people years to develop that kind of relationship. We have to be good enough to read people and understand that. So vulnerability and authenticity cannot be forced. The second thing we talk about is stand in the gap for hurting people. Like our job as Christians and just, God, guys, like as human beings, like just stand in the gap for hurting people. Just do that. W would you just love people? Would you just do that? Okay. Like when someone's in pain, it really doesn't matter what your position is. And we talked about this. Their pain overrides your position. And then the last point we said, just think through your ideas one last time. It's so simple. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you think you've got a good idea, just, you've got to create this habit of just stop for one second, maybe take a 10 minute break away from it and yeah. then come back to it. Just think through it one more I got a, time. I got a leadership fail that lines up with that, <laughs> right. that I'm do it, that I'll share here. <laughs> I just took in a, a position on a team where I was overseeing a team of people that had been there long before me. Okay. Well, they, it's already started off so well. It's <laughs> they, a great a, setup. They've done a great job. Before my existence on this team, <laughs> and I had just, I was in a meeting with uh, my boss and they were laying out, here are some of the things we'd like to see happen Okay, quickly. If I was going to prioritize them, I'd put these sure. into place as things that I want you to get done and prioritize getting done. Great. I leave that meeting and I walk down the hall to the other meeting, which is my first time I'm leading the team meeting, the weekly team meeting. Now this is... Um, Probably, there's probably six, seven people around the table. Okay. And it's the, the first time. First, this very first Hi, time. I'm your, I'm Joe. <laughs> oh man. Here now, we I've go. met him before, but this is the first time. But this is like, meeting. yeah, we're in a meeting. Yeah. yeah. This is how we're going to do we, it. The whole interview, this wasn't a surprise. Like I didn't sure. just show up and hey guys, but right. uh, this is the first team lead meeting. Right. And I just walked from the hall down there to here. And like you're saying, like, man, 
this wasn't really my idea, but I agreed with the idea. Sure. I was like, yeah, this is important. We should fix. This is good. This right. is a priority. Yeah. And it was something that we should fix, something that could be better. So I go down there and I basically, the first time I'm leading the team meeting, right out of another meeting, and I say like this incredibly stupid thing about how what these people who built this thing, yeah. I was like, it's not good. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, and I think we'd all agree, blah, 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 or something along those lines. Anyways, not great. No, that doesn't sound like no, it's the terrible. room was behind and, you at that point. And immediately coming out of my mouth, I'm like, what kind of idiot would say that? <laughs> like I came out and of my body. And you were like, you, like, you, you would. You said it, you idiot. <laughs> and I started like backpedaling, but I already said it. Sure. And, uh, and if I would have taken a beat to be like, because what I skipped there completely, it was like honoring what they yeah. had built, empathy. And then I later did that job for 10 years. Then I'm like, there were all these extenuating circumstances that probably prevented them from doing it the way that they felt it should have been done anyways. Right. And so they might've felt like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Those things would yeah, get we better. We see that, but, but we've been here for years. Why don't we, yet. you want to let me tell you why it's that way kind of wow. things. And it was a terrible way to start out leading a team. And it took me a long time of just not being a jerk to try to rebuild yeah. the trust that I lost. What a learning one. opportunity, though. Oh, yeah, terrible. So now, I felt but, terrible but about wait it. a minute, though. Still so, feel bad about it. So, of course, that stays <laughs> with you forever. You're like, if I would have done that, I'd have 10 years back on my life. Did, did that lead to you creating any kind of habits? I ask because I, I created one because of a similar situation, but I'm wondering, did that lead to you now, if you have a meeting and you're going like right into another meeting, do you do anything to take a beat? Eventually, I did put some things in place, like you should have an agenda and talk about the things you want to talk about, not just like whatever's on your mind. Sure. Because I think it's important to to provide yourself some time to think through stuff because it's, for me, what was important is you need to think through how you're going to say it because I have a tendency to just be like, oh, here's exactly what I'm thinking. And in that, I'm not the strongest at communicating the intent the intent is like, even in that first meeting, right? My intent was guys, let's do this together. We're going to make it better. I, I believe love in you. you. You're love me back. We're going to do it. And teamwork. what I communicated and what I said out loud certainly didn't communicate that intent. <laughs> also went very far in the other direction oh, of what I intended to communicate. Jeez. And, and I really do think that part of it was just me being green. And part of it was not giving yourself time after the great idea. To be right. like, great. What would have been fantastic is like in one-on-ones. How do you think things are going? What would right. you like to see happen? Oh, questions. In questions. hindsight, right, we're all geniuses. And then, yeah, of course. Hey, I've talked to you all individually, and this kind of seems to be the consensus. Like, how do you guys think we solve this? And then right. come to the same idea we would have came to anyways as a team right. instead of a top-down dictatorship. Would have taken, like, taken two weeks longer. Which would have been no problem. No problem. At all. And should have been what I did. Totally. <laughs> but it's not what I It's funny. One time I went, it's funny you, you share that because it brought up something that I don't know that I've ever thought about until you said it. But I went from a meeting one time. It was not a good meeting. I wasn't leading it. I was just in it. And I, I came out the of the- denominator is meetings. Maybe we should just stop that. Maybe. Gosh. <laughs> I will say this. I try to cut, if I have an hour meeting on my calendar- I try to drop it to 30. And if I have a 30 minute meeting on my calendar, I try to drop it to 15. And every single time I've done that, I've gotten the content that I need to get done in that meeting accomplished. Mm. So if I have, 
If I have an hour meeting and it's a planning meeting and I find that, man, we seem to get sidetracked for 20 minutes here and nine minutes here and three minutes here and stuff. Then I'm like, hey, next week, this planning meeting is going to be 30 minutes. Everyone needs to come in prepped and ready to go. And if I have a 30 minute meeting and we go 35 minutes because we spent the first 10 minutes just catching up, I'm like, hey, guys, this 30 minute meeting next week is going to be 15 minutes. Come in ready to rock. That's been a huge help. But, but anyways, back to what we were saying. I went from one meeting where some hard information was shared and I was ticked off. Literally walked out of one door, took one right turn and walked into another door where I was having a meeting. I was like two minutes late because the last meeting ran over and I was like ready to kill everyone. Like I was at that mindset. I was just so pissed. I sat down and some, like one of the first things that was mentioned, I obviously had an opinion on because it was over my ministry area and I just went, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So here I am. A grown up. A A grown up up at work. A grown up at work. (laughs) I had, I don't know, whatever. (laughs) Eight people around the table. This guy goes, so we could do this or we, we could go with this. What do you guys think? And I went, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Great way to lead. So here's what I did. Here's what I did. So I recognized that was a really bad moment. And after we were done, I went to the guy that was leading it just for clarification and was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I should not have said that. And please forgive me. Here's what I've done. No matter what, and I'm telling you this, no matter what, if I'm going from one meeting to another meeting, I go use the restroom. No matter what. Even if I'm five minutes late to the next room, I'll walk in five minutes late, put my stuff down and go, sorry guys, I just got to step out and run to the restroom real quick. Because that is the universal like, end all excuse. You can always go to the restroom. You can always have a bathroom break in corporate America or in the church. That's what you can do. You can always go to the bathroom. So I always, if I'm going meeting to meeting, even if it's like back to back, as I'm walking there, I'm like, I gotta, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the restroom. And I just go in there and sometimes I need to go. And sometimes I just stand there and just like pause. Last meeting's over. Where am I headed? What are we thinking Mm -hmm. through? What are we talking through? And it's a moment to get my mind right. Because if you're in the hallway, people can catch you. If you're on the way to the meeting, somebody else will ask you a question about what you just did or what you're about to go to. And now you're even more scrambled. And then by the time you sit down, you just, you haven't even, you haven't even taken a breath. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of my, that's one of my things. People probably think that I like pee all the time. And I do. No, they think you're in the mirror giving yourself advice. I do that sometimes. Come on, buddy. Yeah, sometimes. You're you're, you're a machine. Let's go. (laughs) People like you. They're giving myself like Ray Lewis and Tom Brady speeches. But yeah, like I I just think it's important like that you brought that up. It's important if you're going from place to place. Like you got to figure out a moment to pause. You have to think through it one more time. Um, So that was episode one. Episode two, we had Marianne Sibley on. Fantastic. Phenomenal. Great conversation about how to care for churches and how to care for church leadership, how to care for our congregation. And we ultimately got to a place where we were just like, Hey, just loving people and, and their family life and your family life and your relationship with Christ being priority. Number one, like that is the way to do it. And whatever that leads to, we have to be okay with. Yeah. So if that leads to a mega church, awesome. If that leads to 150 people, awesome. Your job is to value people love people and make sure your relationship with Christ is solid and your relationship with your family is solid. And I shared a story about someone that I was under their leadership and, and they didn't view family as much of a priority in that 
section, but we were talking about a couple different ways that we could learn from that. We quoted Craig Groeschel, be yourself. People would rather follow a leader who is always real than a leader who is always right. And so our job as leaders is not to think that we have it, you know, all figured out, but just to be honest, just to be honest and be yourself. And, and that's a much better way to go. We also talked about having integrity because where integrity is absent, pride is present. We want to make sure we're not prideful. We want to make sure that we uh, have integrity and we're always willing to confess, seek help and grow through the process. And then the last thing I brought up was the level of your accountability determines your level of discipline. And so new churches out there, new pastors out there, new leaders out there, new small business owners out there, please put some accountability around you. Please just don't get to a point where you think you got it all figured out. You don't, you're probably really good at a lot of things and that's awesome. You're also probably really bad at a lot of things and that's okay. That's called being human. And that's why we're all gifted differently. That's why we need each other. And then we got to an episode talking about feeling behavior concern and conflict. Mm -hmm. How do we deal with that? And I love that. I actually, since uh, that episode, I think about every week. I could have used that technique in you that could, meeting I mentioned ah, earlier. You could have totally used it. I could have too, instead of whatever. Maybe I could have expressed my feelings and their behavior and my concern long-term a little better. It's funny though, ever since I brought that up on the podcast, I've gotten at least one message a week from someone that goes, hey, lay out this feeling behavior concern thing with me one more time. Help me understand. And, and what I find is that this is the majority of the questions that I receive around it are about relationships and more specifically like marriage. Mm -hmm. And it's really fascinating. So one of the examples that I used is if my wife tells me to like take the trash out, because we talked about this, like sometimes we don't always live up to expectations at home. Sometimes we don't always... <laughs> Do what we mm -hmm. need to do, need to do as, as the husband or as the dad. And, and so if my wife was to say, take the trash out, and then let's say I didn't, she has two choices. She can come down, pick up the trash, go, why is the trash not out? <laughs> oh, I forgot. Fine, I'll do it. And then boom, we're off and running, right, over trash. What you would hope is that you can have more of a conversation of feeling behavior concern. And it's more, honey, when I ask you to take the trash out and then I come downstairs and I've been doing all this work and I've been doing all this and da, and then I see that this isn't done. It just makes me feel like I'm not valued and that maybe it's not a priority to serve me, serve this household, get some things done. And my concern would be that either one, I would resent you long-term or two, I would just start doing everything and feel like you're not helping. Yeah. Dang, that puts a whole new level. That's when you hop up off the couch, go, no, I got it. I got it. I'm going to do it now. Like that's a whole nother level. And it, that's a small example. Obviously I know there's more serious conversations out there, but a lot of the questions that I get week to week start out as just simple things. And then they fester and they grow and day after day, they keep getting brought up. And it's because it doesn't seem like people know how to have a difficult conversation. And it doesn't right. seem like when conflict pops up, it always turns to you did, this is what you did. You were manipulative. You were this. And it ends up being like, which is really just your perspective on what happened. Yeah. And it ends <laughs> up being this unbelievable fight on a small thing that's now lasted you three, four, five days, sometimes three, four, five years. And it could have been a lot better, a lot smoother, a lot cleaner if you would have just been like, hey, you know what? This is how I'm feeling. 
I'm feeling that way because this was the behavior that, that I saw. And my concern is long-term, this is where we would land. Yeah. And that just implies that you're on the same team. And you are. So that's the formula if it's a Mad Lib. I feel, and then you explain the behaviors yep. that are creating the tension. Uh-huh. Then you say, my concern is, and then you lay out what your concerns are. Sure. And then you stop talking. And then you got to stop talking. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing, man. You have to stop talking at that point. And really, if you get good at it, you get in the habit of it, you'll find yourself behavior, feeling, concern, concern, behavior, feeling. Like you'll find yourself mixing and matching depending on different environments and scenarios when you get the habit of it. But then you got to stop talking after you get those three done. Your time is done at that point for sure. So I'm a big fa fan of feeling behavior concern. I'm glad that out of everything we've talked about from a point standpoint, that one keeps coming up week after week. And um, that's been really encouraging to know that's out there. And then we, we talked about our Hillsong episode as well. We had a couple other ones thrown in there, but just moving through them here. I'm curious, is there anything we talked about that something was left on the table? Is there anything we talked about that you're like, I really wish we would have gone a little deeper into this, or I really wish that I would have said this in that moment. Is there anything throughout this season that you've been like, if I could just go back and say one more thing <laughs> about something, this would be it. I remember after we did the first Hillsong episode, yeah, we had a quick conversation afterwards and it was like, yeah, I just feel like we all have worked in mega churches and we didn't really bring in a perspective that wasn't ours. And it wasn't like, ours, yeah. It's not like we weren't, it certainly wasn't like that episode is, oh, cut the guy a break. So he slept with somebody. <laughs> like, that's not what happened. But at the same time, I just felt like we didn't really, we didn't really represent well. True. By, by not having another perspective on it. True. Agreed. And then we tried to do that with the following episode. Yes. And we got one person, which was great. We had a couple people that kind of backed out and weren't interested. Um, it was a big ask to but be it's like, a big hey, ask. you want to watch three hours of stuff and tell us how you feel? Yeah, you want to watch something that you have no interest in watching? <laughs> That'd be great. And then tell us how you feel. We'll give you a t-shirt. It'll be awesome. Yeah, I'm with you on that. There is one thing that I wanted to address, and I think it's timely just in the environment that we're in right now and in what we're experiencing as a society. We get on this podcast and we, we debate. We borderline argue. We try to throw out our opinions. And at the end of the day, like I trust you and we have the, the same goals in mind, really. And that is that we're hoping that people would listen to this podcast that through getting to know us, they would then trust a little bit of what we're saying, put it into action. And maybe we would help raise up better leaders. And that's really how this all started and, and what we wanted to accomplish. And one of the things that we've addressed like a minute ago, we talked about conflict and we've talked a lot about the church and we've talked a lot about being hurt by leaders and what not to do and then how we can learn what you know to do in, in those situations. But I'm finding that more and more people don't know how to argue. Mm. And I feel like you and I argue really well. 
Yeah, it doesn't feel like arguing, but yeah. But that's what I mean. I don't. It doesn't feel like arguing. But I guess if you're doing it really well, you're just disagreeing. You're just disagreeing. You go. That's a great <laughs> point. Like even before this, we had some tough conversations about some other things going on before we got on air. Yeah, and it's don't always match. And opinions don't always match. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like we're aligned that we're valuing people, and that ultimately we want to see people succeed, and we want to see people continue to grow in their relationship with Christ and on their journey and what they're called to. And this is one of the things that I've been noticing uh, lately with all of this Roe v. Wade talk. Okay. I'm noticing that people don't know how to argue. More importantly, let me just specifically talk to a, a group. Christians, I don't think, know how to argue. Not on Facebook. Certainly not on Facebook. <laughs> and so I'm not going to sit here and give you like some opinion on Roe v. Wade, because there's enough preachers doing that from the pulpit these days that I just, it blows my mind. But I think we have to really be careful of how we're trying to argue our opinion. And I don't know about you, but one of the things that I'm consistently seeing, and this is regardless of what side you're on, because I know Christians that are on one side of this argument, and I know Christians that are on the other side of this argument. And me personally, like, I have friends who have decided not to get an abortion, and they have a child, even though that child is going to be special needs. And I have friends who got an abortion and chose not to go through that. Both Christians, both friends. And I know that there's a ton of gray area and a ton of different examples that we could throw out there. Sure. And that's really where I want to start. There's a ton of gray area and there's a ton of examples. And what I'm finding is that as Christians, we are either, and sometimes not even using scripture, but we are trying to point out extremes of why we can argue a point. Sure. And then the other side points out extremes of why they can argue a point. And now I post on Facebook and get 49 likes by people who all think like me. And then they post on Facebook and get 49 likes by people who all think like them. And we see each other's post and we don't interact with it. And then I just assume that I hate that person now because they think differently yeah. than me when it comes to this. And it's, it really is hurting me because I've had a lot of friends a lot. I've had seven friends recently post on Facebook something that I completely disagree with. Mm -hmm. Not when it comes to Roe v. Wade specifically, but in approach. I just completely disagree with their approach. Sure. And so here's what I'm hoping to get across today. We've recapped season one. If you've been a, a longtime listener and you've listened to all those, all of those points before and you've heard us talk about everything, hopefully this is something for you today that you can go, I'm glad that I walked away with that. Yeah. The goal, I do not believe, is to win the argument. Sure. Because if that becomes your goal, you risk losing a soul for Christ. And you're just proving your point. You're not really. Oh, there's no empathy. There's helping. no trying to understand. There's no helping. You're just like, this is fact to me. Mm -hmm. and, and I just want to say this. Because 
I'm really like hoping and praying that a change happens. But if you're going on Facebook, if you're going on Instagram, if you're going on, if you're going on any social media platform and you think that's the best place to put your argument with all due respect. And I just listen, I'm, I'm trying to be as respectful as I can. Okay. Hear me. If this is you, if you've been going on Facebook and you've been like, this is fact to me, just with all due respect, please hear me in the most humble way. Shut up. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's not what I expect you to say. <laughs> that's very respectfully. Yeah. Shut up. Just shut up. Okay. And, and here's the deal. Because you're losing the important one. You're, you might win it. You might be winning an argument. You're losing the important one. So here's what's happening. You going and posting something that you know is divisive, that you know is toxic, even if you believe it, that's fine. But you doing that and trying to win an argument that doesn't even really exist because you winning an argument on Facebook is not going to pass any kind of legislature. So, like, whatever. And then, Putting yourself in a position to possibly lose a soul for Christ. Someone seeing your post and going, I can't believe a Christian would say that. I can't believe a Christian would share that. I can't believe that would be. Or someone who's not a Christian. The good news is the algorithm only feeds them opinions that they agree <laughs> right. with. Yeah, they only feed opinions that I agree <laughs> with. Think about the non-Christian that sees you check in at church on Sunday and then Monday post something that's like, yeah, or your family member that's Pro like, I life. what Uncle Jeff is up to. Right. Fix your profile. Fix, yeah. And Jeff's got opinions there on you stuff. There you go. Jeff exactly. doesn't even have a uterus. There you go. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then imagine if you, you know, had an abortion and now you think that's disqualified you from Christ's love. So listen to me. The goal is this, and I'm just going to say this. This is what I believe. You can hammer me all you want. You can tell me I'm wrong. I'm fine. I've had people do that my entire life. Here's the deal. Okay. The goal of the whole Roe v. Wade situation, in my opinion, is not for you to be on one side or the other. The goal is for you to help people understand that no matter what side you're on and no matter what the situation is that you find yourself, please invite God into it. Yeah, that's a great goal. I think... The stuff that you're complaining about and the stuff that I see as well, it's been around for a long time. It's actually, it goes all the way back to ancient Greek philosophy. It's called reductio ad absurdum. Okay, now we're rolling. Let's go. This is, uh, it basically is an idea of saying you're wrong because if I follow your logic, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so like here would be a reductium ad absurdum argument for abortion. Okay. If everybody got an abortion, the human race would end. It's not wrong. It's just a stupid thing to say. It's like when somebody says yeah. black life matters and you're like, all lives matter. We talked about this. It's, you're just, you're taking it. <laughs> it's yes, true. It's the way to frame your argument right. to make their argument sound dumb. And that's the way that you hope to persuade other people. And so I don't think that, that we as people that care about other people should be conducting ourselves in a way whose goal is to make other people feel stupid. Yeah, but like... Why do we think that people need to hear what we think? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. Just shut up. Look, I've got this one. I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to say his name, but I got this one guy every day. He's, this is why I'm pro-life. 
This is why you should be pro-life. This is why, shut up. Like, just shut up. And it's not because I disagree with you. It's not because I'm sitting over here going, no, I think, no. I'm saying what you're doing is so divisive and so toxic. And you're standing on this platform that because you think you're a Christian, that you should be pro-life. And what you're missing is you're losing souls. You're making Christianity and God look like he only has mercy for a certain group of people. Yeah. And it's just, it's so hurtful. And I just don't understand why everyone thinks that like they need to share, like just shut up. I think it's getting more challenging the way that we, it feels like what's happening now on social media and you mentioned this by setting it up is just the way that we argue seems to be wrong. Yeah. And I think that the main thing that's driving that right now is there has been like a shift culturally in people's thinking that if let's pick an item, say gun control. Oh yeah, let's do it. If you were to tell me your thoughts on gun control, then I would assume your thoughts on everything else. So if I were and to sit a, here and say, I want my guns, you'd you be like, he's a Republican. He voted for Trump. Exactly. And Absolutely. You could be a Democrat that shoots guns at the gun range <laughs> because you like the, you're a speed shooter. No, that, I don't think that's shooter. allowed. I think they actually check yeah. before you show <laughs> up if you're a Democrat. Registration. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what, here's why that bothers me personally is because I don't, I have a political affiliation. Yeah. But I'm not a mindless zombie. Like, I, I have my own thoughts and opinions on everything inside of a platform. Sure. And some of them may line up with my affiliation, and some certainly don't. And sometimes they're so off that I won't even be able to vote with my affiliation because you can't, it's reductive. It's taking somebody and saying, I'm a lazy person and I don't have time to get to know you. I just need to know what box to put you in. Are you friend or foe? Label. Are you an enemy of mine? (laughs) Or totally we have a conversation. Would you like to join my echo chamber and we can just together be like, yeah, this stuff is bad. Let's talk about that for 45 minutes. There it is. Or do you really want to know what the other person thinks? Exactly. If you don't want to know what somebody else thinks. Just don't share your opinion. And that's my thing. Like every, Facebook is not an opportunity for that to happen. So it's just, I just don't. So like when you see it and you're, when you're, when you hover over the share button, just pause and remember (laughs) that I told you to shut up. Okay. Like when you are typing out something tonight, cause you're going to do it. You are. All right. You know who you are. When you're typing out something tonight that you think is really going to, ha ha ha, this is going to prove my point. Just remember that I told you to just stop and I'll say it one more time. Shut up. Just so Facebook used to have the dislike button and I think they should bring it back. I think they should too, but then people are going to hide behind that and somebody will put up something pro-life and they'll be like dislike. And then it's, Oh, you're against it. You're the devil. And I'll like, It'll be just as bad. There's no winning. That's the we thing. Need a, we need a shut up button. And, and really we do. We need a shut up button. TDF Furniture carries over 50 brands at prices 60 to 95% off suggested retail. From outdoor sets to dining room tables and recliners, they have it all. See something you like? Load up a truck and take it home the same day or schedule for delivery. Special financing options are also available. Quit overpaying and visit one of TDF Furniture's five locations. Learn more at tdffurniture.com. And here's the other thing. I I do... I do believe that this is all brought out of fear. 
I do believe that the more fearful people get, the more angry they get. And I actually talked about this past Sunday where I was uh, preaching. I think that we have gotten as a society into a situation where we make so many fearful decisions, even sometimes subconsciously, that just brings out anger. Mm -hmm. And so we just have to be like, even in an argument, like in an argument, if I start yelling and screaming, it's because either one, I have a fear that I'm not being heard, fear that I'm not being valued, right? Or fear that I'm not being understood. And that's what's happening. Everyone's like subconsciously fearful of that. So then right. they just yell and get angry at everybody. And the, the unfortunate downside is if you don't get to the place where you learn to have a healthy discourse, you don't get a perspective outside of your own and you can't grow. You're just going to continue just gonna to be surround you. yourself. This is talk about stuff going on. You got Roe v. Wade, this white hate. Yeah. That's been the, so prevalent in the, the Buffalo last, shootings. Unbelievable. And the idea that young men are getting radicalized by this made up thing on the internet about replacement theory yeah. where there's going to all of a sudden be too many other races and white race won't exist. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense to somebody that hasn't been radicalized by this. The platforms create an environment for certain issues like this to thrive. Absolutely. So and the man had to drive hours. Yeah. And when I heard that, I was like, there's obviously he doesn't know a black person. Like if he had black friends, yeah, he, he would quickly that. realize that, yeah. oh, they have a different skin color, but they're humans. Yeah. And it's, it's all the stuff that so I just read despicable. is not right. <laughs> yeah. It's despicable. And you mentioned the environment and, and where we, where we have these conversations. So I, we weren't going to talk about this, but I think this is interesting. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. So. What is the church's responsibility? What do you think the church's responsibility is when it comes to these kinds of topics that are, that are America, political, and then we've also got race sure. and the shooting in Buffalo? Like, where do you draw a line and say, this is what we will talk about from stage, this is what we won't, this is where we will come out and be public about our opinion, this is where we won't. Is is or and here's where I'm getting to. Is it the church's job to have to have a public stance and come out and say something? Or I don't think it's like, the what church's, do we do? I don't think it's the church's job to weigh in on news stories. I guess if I were thinking about what's the church's responsibility, I think the church's responsibility is to highlight truth. And so, in a situation where, let's say, culturally this environment allowed somebody to think that people should be eliminated simply on their race. Mm -hmm. That's not true. And so I think a lot of people in a congregation can feel triggered when they don't feel heard. They don't feel like their feelings are being heard when a church doesn't say something. About yeah. Something. If they're not represented. Yeah. And in a situation like the Buffalo scenario, it feels, and I think there's a flip side to this, but sure, it feels if you're on a church staff, like you should absolutely say, oh man, we're praying. This was wrong. Yeah, it was absolutely despicable. And it, we're praying. Yep. And, but then the flip side of that, and we talked about this before, is let's say you're a church that says, man, what's happening in the Ukraine is wrong. Let's pray for them. And then you don't say, what's happening in Buffalo is wrong, like right after that. Totally. Now you've got, a congregation with people that feel 
black people that feel like that's a real threat to them right now Mm -hmm. in the country they're in. Yep. And we're going to pray for a threat that's very real, but doesn't affect me in the same way. Oh yeah. And it's not a selfish thing to say that on that person's behalf. Sure. It's just, you can't possibly mention every, you can't just pull up the AP wire during your church announcement and say, these are things that we want to keep on our radar and run down the list. Yeah. And honestly, there are certain things that seem like, yep. Like, when 9-11 happened, right? Yeah. Like I mean, you're not going to bring like, that up. Got, yeah. And you've got these, unfortunately, I think this is the saddest part that we've had 150 mass shootings in the last couple of years. Yep. And the frequency doesn't change how horrifying and terrible each single one of those things is. Yeah. But the amount in which that they've happened, anything can lead to like complacency. Yeah. It's almost, Oh, there was another one. Yeah. Yeah. Another one. Where at? And I'll be honest with you, even with the thing in Buffalo, even with the shooting in Buffalo, look, I don't, I don't know if you guys know this cause it's radio and it's a podcast here, but I'm white. Look, what happened in Buffalo was disgusting. It should never happen. And sadly, as I say that, I believe it'll happen again. And here's what I know. It happened like in California, like the next day. Yeah. But I'm saying like, yeah, it's, it, and that's what I mean. It's just, it's so gross. Here, here's the thing though. I've never had to feel that. Okay. I'm just, you look, you get me here, right? Yeah. I've ne- I've, I've never had to feel that. I've never had to look. I saw the story. I was at the gym and it was up on the TV screen. That's when I saw the story. I've never had to look up at a TV screen at the gym and see my race attack. Yeah. I, I just, look. It's and, not the same. It's we not the same, guys. don't watch that news story and feel like, crap, I can't go grocery shopping. There you go. I can't not trust every there white you go. person so I see on the so street. So it's not the same. So, here, the so same. I'm saying all of that because I want you to understand the, the turmoil that, that also I feel. Because I want to say something. Everything in me, like literally everything in me is, you need to get up on stage Sunday and you need to just absolutely drop the hammer on this whole thing in Buffalo. But here's the facts, okay? From a level of empathy, I can say I'm sorry, but until I have a conversation with you and until I understand your side and until I really feel and and understand what you're feeling, like... I'm not going to speak from the right place. And then secondly, like, what do you say? It's despicable. It's gross. It's disgusting. It's the worst thing ever. And I'm sorry. And I didn't do it. And I don't believe this, but they do. And it happened. And I'm sorry you're going through that. And then what? And then have your, and then just have your church service. And then we just keep going. And then what? The next Sunday rolls around and we do, we do mention it again, or we don't mention it. Or do we provide a special time of prayer for our black community? You know what I'm saying? There's so many layers and levels and all of it leads to this. I don't think anybody in my congregation thinks like that. And if they did, I'd absolutely just punch them in the face probably. All right. But you're going to miss stuff. You're going to talk about some things. You're not going to talk about other. And I'm just getting to the point where I'm like, let's talk about truth. Like you said, let's talk about what we're for. Let's try to bring, I think we should bring it up. I think we should 
talk about it in a way, but maybe that's a really good point because you could bring up what you're for without having to mention what you're against. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. That was a really long way for me to get to that. So you could simply in your church announcement time say, Hey, this is what we're for. (laughs) Yeah. And And it's obvious that you're talking about the things that you're against, but when you talk about the thing that you're against, and that's kind of how we started this conversation, it doesn't have the same level of empathy or helping other people. Like right. I'm against this and everybody else is like, in this case, other than the radicalized people that share that philosophy of uh, right. there's too many other race people and white people aren't going to be around anymore, which is stupid, which is a very small percentage of anybody. Everybody else hears this terrible thing. And yes. Agreed. Yeah. Like went without saying. Yeah. It's terrible. It's absolutely horrifying. Whether it's been with this Buffalo thing or the Roe v. Wade thing, it's gotten to the point where we've been so upfront with what we're for and so much about news stories and so much about if you don't think like this, then you're not a Christian from the stage that to me, it's getting a little scary. It's getting to the point that I think we're going to start having Republican and Democrat churches. And I don't mean that as a joke. Like I'm being very honest. I think people always forget. It's easy to forget if you haven't paid much attention. The separation of church and state was come up with by the founders of our country who were Christian. And so it wasn't like this other agenda forced upon. It was like, no, this is the best way to do this. Politics is politics. Right. Church is church. There you go. Politicians write policy. The church is there to support. Right. And to protect. And I think we've got it in our minds that like God really only created America and only blesses America and only cares about the people living in America. This is kind of, I feel like we're in this like tunnel. Yo, God created the universe and everyone is equal. And so we need to start acting like it. We're going to cover all the news stories in our church announcements. Are we going to talk about all these UFOs? Yeah, oh. we got to talk about UFOs and aliens. <laughs> we got to start using crazy fun hashtags, That's right? Reduction like, to what was certain right there? Like, <laughs> angel or alien? Hashtag angel or alien. <laughs> and in, right? in that one case, I just saw, uh, it turns out drone. drone. Turns out drone. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's unbelievable. So listen, all I can tell you out there, be known for what you're for and not for what you're against. And Understand that the greatest argument that you can make is to argue that someone should bring Jesus into their situation. And if you can't get past that, then it's not worth saying, I'm sorry. Like I, and look, I know there's a lot of people that listen to this that are like strong politically and have strong opinions and are probably going to not like this. And that's fine. Like I'm, I'm wired a little different. Okay. I get it. But if you can't get past trying to just implore someone to put Jesus into their situation and into their life, and you've got to take it a step further and prove your argument, please just shut up. Thanks for listening to Hope After Hurt. If you enjoyed this episode or found it useful, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend. Join the Yes Community on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Yes Community. On Instagram at yesco underscore community. TikTok at Drew's Barker. And for show notes, visit the website at yes.transistor.fm. This show is produced, edited, and engineered by Podcast Carrot. Thanks for listening.